Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Now we switch gears a little bit and we start with our new message series, which is entitled Bulletproof Identity. And as you can see from the logo, it says, Discovering Our Identity in His. And so the question really where we start with this idea of an identity is, who am I? Who are you? But ultimately, where we're going to be going today, just so you're aware of this, the the real question is, who is Jesus? And when Jesus says, I am blank, that we want to listen to that because Jesus and identity And my identity are intertwined. And when I come to a better understanding of who Jesus is, I will have a better understanding of who I am. Because he is my maker. He is my savior. He is the one who makes me holy. And so that is what we are going to be doing for the next number of weeks. And and this identity, I'm just going to tell you that as you figure out what your identity is, That's one part, but getting it in line with God's way of viewing you is something totally different, and it's not easy. As a matter of fact, it's hard, and it's something that we take a lifetime doing and developing. So what I did is, as I was going through this, this whole series was Jeff's idea, and I didn't want to do it, but he made me do it. So I'm I'm like playing along with him. And because I didn't get it when, when we talked about identity. And, and it's not, I'm just not that type of a deep thinker that way. And so when I ask myself the question, who am I? I'm like, I'll, I'll show you where I started. I had to go back to my ID card. There you go. No, wrong order. Not that one. Start with, oh, there we go. There we go. Who? This is who I am. That if you want to know who I am, I'm, this is who the state of Arizona says I am. And, and so when I got down here and I have the ID card that we, we have all of the vital statistics that you need to know about me. So that when a police officer pulls me over and says, who are you? I can hand him the card and say, this is who I am. This is how you can recognize who I am. But this is not who I've always been. The next one was from, yeah. This is who I was in 1995, and that was my first business card that that I had made after I had graduated from the seminary. So one thing that you will notice on there is is probably the most striking is that, right, I don't have my goatee. Okay, and that's not a little higher up. The hair was at different places around my head. That is what it was. And the, the sweet uh, 1990s mustache as well. So that's what I did. As I went around, I went around door to door. And people would ask, who are you and what are you doing? And I said, this is who I am. And, and this is the, what I'm going to be doing here in Rib Mountain, Wisconsin. But if you were to go back a little farther, this is who I was even before that. There we go. That was from when I was in college, and that's when all of the hair was on top of the head, and none of it was gray. And, and so as I look up at that, there are people that I have not seen in my life for the last 20, 25 years, and when they think of who Dan Salofer is, 
That's what they think and that's what they remember. Okay, you can put those pictures away. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and now here, here's the thing that, that I realized as I was going through identity, that if you look at Dan Solofra, 1989, Dan Solofra 1995, and Dan Solofra 2014, the only information on all those identification cards that is the same is my name. That's it. None of the addresses are the same. The pictures are definitely not the same. And so as we look at that with with our identity, I realized as I was going through what it means to not have a bulletproof identity, but what it means to have an identity that people can take shots at. And what I mean is this, is if there was someone who knew me back in 1989 when I was a senior in college, and Doug, you're here today. You could tell stories. Doug could come up here, and, and, and he and I went to school together for a while, and he could simply tell you stories that were true, not even ones that he embellished, but true stories about me that would make people who knew me in 1989 ask the question, you're going to be a pastor? You're going, you're going to lead a congregation? And, and as I look back, they could shoot holes at me, holes through me, and they would be completely correct. But some of you might look at this a different way, that instead of looking at the, the, the past with this identity, that you might look the other way, and you might start where, where I was and where I am now. And that if you were to start with the younger pictures of me and then go to the older pictures of me, that, that you look at, I'll call it Dan for 2.0 when I was 20, Dan for 3.0 when I was 30, and now Dan for 4.7, that, that you're saying these improvements are actually downgrades, that we would like an earlier model, that, that it seems that the, that the equipment is breaking down and that we're afraid where the future is going to lead. And you would also realize the holes that I have in my own personal identity because there is a reality that I cannot do things that I used to do, that I don't have the energy that I used to have, that, that sometimes when I get up... Every time when I get up after watching a movie, I'm, I'm sore and stiff in ways that I, I wasn't before. And so for that reason, if you can relate to that, if you can relate by looking at yourself in the past and thinking about yourself in the future, and, and if there are question marks and you wonder, are my best days in the past or are my best days in the future? It all revolves around that question, who am I? And in our series, this is the important part, is the answer to that question of who am I really comes from asking the question, who is Jesus? And the wonderful part that we are going to see is that in his word, he tells us exactly who it is, who he is, and then the impact that it has for our lives. So I ask you to go to the sermon notes if you haven't done that already. And we are going to see the living bread from heaven. 
And, and we're going to start with identity. I'm starting at a point, this isn't necessarily what the whole lesson is about today, but it's a good starting point for us as we talk about identity. And they are from Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. And it is Moses when he is asked slash commanded by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And notice the first question he asks. Exodus 3, verse 11 says, But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I? Who, who, who am I to do this? And so in the first blank, you can write, at stressful times in life, my identity is challenged. Am I the only one who's been asked, who died and made you boss? Uh, who went on vacation and made you boss? <laughs> It's a little Jeff Gunn joke, Jeff's on vacation. Anyways. He and he's probably listening, so hi, Jeff. We miss you. <laughs> so we look at this. Moses knew that his identity was going to be challenged. And, and he asked this question to God, who am I that I should go do this? Because he knew that Pharaoh was going to ask who are you that I should listen to you and let the children of Israel go out of Egypt? Moses knew that the children of Israel were going to ask at different times when he was leading them out, who are you? Why are you the boss? Why can't I be the boss? How come I can't be the leader? But even more important than that, I think there were times when Moses was going to ask himself that question. Who am I? What, what did I get myself into? And he needed an answer from that, for that question from God. Now, here's the problem when it comes to identity, and, and Moses helps us see it. And that is, very often, we try to get our identity from our roles in life. So, so as we look at this, one of the ways that I would say this is when I got married. Uh, my identity and, and who I am changed somewhat, and, and not only for me, but also definitely for my wife, because when that happened, she actually changed her name. So, so if you look at those different IDs, uh, I said it, the only thing that stayed the same is my name. With her, after we were married, even her name changed. And so one of the things that we do is we find identity in that role and the relationship. And here's the problem when we do that. Not that marriage isn't a wonderful gift from God and, and we promised before God and to each other that it would be till death parts us. But I think there's enough people who are in this room who know that people break those promises. Okay? And when my identity is attached to a relationship that I am in, and that relationship is broken, now I answer the question instead of saying, I am married, now all of a sudden my identity changes to, I am divorced. I am a single mom. I am a single dad. And what happens is those bullets, when they hit us, they come through, and they hit us in the heart. But maybe you're someone different than that. Maybe you're someone who has found your identity 
from a different role that you play, maybe as you look at yourself, that you would say, I'm, I'm a mother. And, and what I do is that I raise my children. And then as I talk to, to women who do that, and sometimes men as well, what they realize is having their identity simply being as a servant to others and their role as a mother, that, that if you were to ask them who I am, who are you, who am I? They would say, I don't even know who I am. I feel like I lost my identity, that it was overtaken by my roles as a wife and, a, and, as, a, and as a mother. And, and they are struggling by saying, I don't even know who I am. I don't even know the things that I enjoy because all I do is think about others all the time. If you are easily wounded by things that other people say about you, if you are wounded when they are critical of your job performance, if you are wounded when they are critical of your parenting abilities, if they, when they talk about you, that, that there are things that they say that, that just sometimes make you paralyzed by what they say, your identity is mixed up. And I'm not saying that what they're saying is right or, or it should happen or is sinful or anything like that. But what I'm telling you is this is a message series you need to hear clearly. God answered Moses three verses later because he knew the identity was so important. And this is what he said. So Moses asked, who am I? God says, Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And what happened at that very moment, three verses after Moses said, my identity, those people knowing who I am is going to prevent me from being the leader of your people, that God said this, how about if I put myself between you and the people so that when they say who sent you, you, you point to me. And when you do that is when you put up, if we have that bulletproof identity again, that, that screen is when that steel wall, that titanium wall, whatever you want to call it, is put up between us. It's, it's the Kevlar vest that God puts over of, of taking our identity and covering it with his. I am sent me, and from this I am, this would be the Lord, the Lord, the Savior God. Tell them I am who I am, this precious name. That is who these people should look to. That is who Pharaoh should look to. That is who the, the children of Israel should look to. That is, who, Moses, who you should look to. So that when anyone is critical of you, that it goes directly back to me. And this name of the Savior God is exactly the name that Jesus was playing off of when he said this word, these words from John 6.35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus, again, is showing himself to be true God, the Lord, I am. And, and now he, he's saying, I am who I am. Not only am I constant, not I was, not I will be, but I'm going to be there for you all the time in the present. But now he adds to that another nuance, and that is I am this bread from heaven, this living bread. And so in your blank, you can write, who I am constantly changes, 
Who I am constantly changes. Jesus is the I am. He never changes. And a bulletproof identity must come from him. Our God who never changes, our God who loves us constantly. That is where we need to go when there are attacks against who we are. And we do that when we find our identity in him. Now we go, as we look at this lesson, you need to understand for the context, the overall picture of what the children of Israel, what this conversation was about. They're making a connection to the manna that the children of Israel ate for 40 years while they were in the wilderness. Okay? So as they did that, that was the bread from God, the manna, which means what is it? Because they had never seen anything like it, never before, never since, that manna, how God fed his people. Jump ahead about 1,500 years to the time of Jesus. Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two small fish. And now what had happened for the first time in about 1,500 years was a miraculous feeding of God's people. And what happened is when the people saw this, they realized how powerful Jesus was. And, and what they realized about him is that if you found someone who was able to feed 5,000 people, plus 5,000 men, plus women and children, roughly 15,000, on five loaves and two small fish, what you have just gotten is someone who could fuel a war machine. And the reason why is that one of the, the biggest problems they had as they went to battle w- would be these lines to, to keep uh, supplies, the supply lines to keep their, en- their armies fed. Usually they would just live off the land, but that was difficult when you would have large armies. Now you had someone who would be able to feed that many people. Imagine how useful he would be. And so these people now were looking at Jesus and, and what he was able to do for them. Then the next day, which is the, the day we're going to be talking about, is when these people came and found Jesus, and he said, I am the living bread from heaven. Okay, so these three events are going to be connected in these next readings that we have. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, and this is Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, again, this is going back to the time of Moses. This is the manna. This is the bread they had every day, and this is what he wrote. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your descendants had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The reason God gave them manna is so that they would learn to depend on God every single day. But not just for food, but for something more important, that they would depend on him spiritually. They needed his love and compassion and forgiveness every day. They needed to remember their need for God every day, and and so do we. And so what God did to them is he humbled them by making them dependent on him for 40 years so that they would learn that lesson. Then Jesus later in John 6, 26 and 27 says this. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. 
Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And so in the blank, you can write, God warns about finding identity by filling appetites. He warns about finding identity by filling appetites. You might have recognized those words from Deuteronomy because they were later quoted by Jesus when he was tempted by the devil. The devil, after 40 days of Jesus being in the wilderness, came and tempted him to turn stones into bread. And that's when Jesus said, Man does not live on, on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, so he was quoting that verse as, as Satan was coming with his temptations at him. And, and what he was talking about is this idea of appetite. That, yeah, Jesus was, was hungry, but, but in this situation, was he going to let his appetite and Satan's temptation drive what he did? And the answer was no. Jesus fulfilled that temptation. He, he uh, defeated Satan in that temptation, did not give in to it, and every other temptation that Satan brought to him. But it's important for us to look at this as well because many people, as they look at that miracle, say, why would it have been wrong for Jesus to turn a stone into a loaf of bread? After all, he's God. He could have just done it, and then he would have had food. And what it shows is we tend to be that way, that we are driven by appetite. And when you are driven by appetite, it's always going to be bad. The best illustration that I would give for this is, I don't know if you're like me, but I do this and it kills me when I do, and that is when I get home late from work and I'm hungry. And so what I do is I open the fridge and stand. And then I look. And then I go and I look in the pantry, and, and, and I look. And what I'm looking for is something that looks good. And what I found just is everything that looks good, tastes good, and ends up bad. And, and, and that is that, that you eat things that are, are comfort foods, right? That they're just going to make me feel better. And they do for a short period of time. And... And as we look at this, people also do this in their lives. What is going to make me feel better? And, and one of the things that we normally go to, not that this is in and of itself bad, but money just seems to make me feel better. Other people go to the internet and say, you know what? Some type of sexual activity makes me feel better. They go to... The power, maybe it's something at their job. That makes me feel better. It makes me feel important. It makes me feel good about myself. And now, it doesn't matter what all of the answers are. The question is, what are your answers? What is it that makes you feel better that is simply a response of your appetite, something that God might call sin? And it's something that you don't want to give up because you like it. And it, and it makes me feel good. See, the people ran into this with Jesus as well, that Jesus was teaching them the truths of God's word. He was telling them the way to eternal life, to confess their sin. You want to feel better? Jesus said, here's how you can feel better. Don't harbor sin in your life. Confess your sin to the Lord. Repent, turn to him, be baptized, and know that forgiveness comes from your God. That if you want long-term health and relationships in every other part of your life, 
That's what we're talking about. And the people didn't want that. They wanted bread. They wanted food. Let's continue from there. John 6, 35, 36, continuing the conversation. Then Jesus declared again, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. So these individuals had come, and they had seen all that Jesus had done, all the miracles that he performed, and they still would not eat. They did not believe in him. And just past that, John 36, 37 to 40, Jesus says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Just very quickly, we can see how Jesus found his identity from his relationship with the Father and wants us to have that relationship with the Father by having a relationship with him and one that is based on faith and and believing his promises. So in the blank, you can write, Jesus is the bread of life. We eat from him when we believe in him. I mentioned that very quickly, that these people had seen the feeding of the 5,000. And even, even when we, uh, we go to that, we look at that miracle that Jesus performed, and, and we still talk about it, right, 2,000 years later? But the miracle sometimes that, that we forget is, is the miracle that happened before that. And that is when when Jesus was going to the other side of the lake and these people walked around and they were harassed and and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And it's the miracle that Jesus even cared. It's the miracle that Jesus changed his plans in order to satisfy the the spiritual hunger of these people. And then he did. He, He went to them and he began to teach them. And he healed them physically and spiritually. He taught them God's ways. Would have used the law, pointed out their sin and their need for a savior, and then pointed to the promise that God would send the savior, and and, and all of the other prophecies that were about him, performing these miracles so that the people would be able to see, oh my goodness, Standing in front of me is the fulfillment of God's promises. This is the Christ. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what our ancestors were starving for, for 4,000 years, to finally see the Christ. And now he's standing here in front of us. And all of those things, they just pushed aside because they got a good meal. And they started thinking about their appetites and what Jesus could do for them in this life and not eternally. Jesus goes on. A few verses later, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. You guys think this is so great? 
That, that God gave them manna for 40 years, that's great. That, that he did that and, and God preserved them through it. But now every one of those people is dead. I mean, it, it was great while it lasted, but don't you get that? That is such a limited time thing. And so Jesus says this, but here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Whenever I I would read those words, especially the last one, it makes me think of the Lord's Supper when when Christ gives us his body and blood in the sacrament. But I, I really don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. What he was talking about is using, again, the the illustration of bread so that people would understand what he was doing and what he was all about. And and so the way that I've broken this down is I've just had some fill-ins that that help me as I look at this. And so, first of all, Jesus is the bread of life. And the first part is he is the staple of my diet. He is the staple of my diet. So, so the question for you today, there are people here who don't eat bread, okay? And they're like, are you kidding me? I can't, I have the gluten or the whatever, the carbs, I, I'm not eating bread. So, so as we look at Jesus is the bread of heaven, what this means is, what is the staple of your diet? I think everyone has this. So um, for my good friend Alberto out there, I told him to break it down for you, Alberto. Jesus is the living tortilla that helps, that helps, <laughs> I Whenever we go out, he's always, he always has them. That's his staple food. It is. For those of you who are on college, Jesus is the ramen noodles, the living ramen noodles. Jesus is the living pizza, whatever, whatever it is that is your staple food. That is what Jesus is saying, that you can build a diet around me. The second part, Jesus is bread of life. He is a substantial food that gives life. And the next one I'm just going to fill in, just because they're so close, he is not a junk food. Jesus is substantial. Jesus is is filling that gives life. He is good for you. And so as you study the truths of his word, and as you continue to do that, it is something that is going to benefit you in, in so many different ways. And so as we look at that is who Jesus is saying, who he is, his identity as, as, as true God, someone we are to feed on. Now, what does it mean for my identity? What does it mean for your identity? Because Jesus is the bread of life, I have a place to go when I am starving for love and attention. Oh, my goodness. It is... It, I see people who are starving for love and attention so much. I, I cannot even begin to tell you. It, I think, first of all, when I coached Little League, and, uh, and, and even before that, Minor League, when they first start, and I just remember, I have these vivid memories of kids that I didn't even know coming up and hugging me and telling me, Coach, I love you. And, and, and it was just... Uh, took me back because it's like, you've only known me for 20 minutes. And, and, and you just realize that they, are, they were missing a male figure in their life who would show them attention. And they were starving for it. And any place they could, could get it, they would go and do that. 
uh, starving people. I, two, this past week, two individuals I met, a, a, a woman who was married for 21 years whose husband cheated on her two years ago. She is starving so much. I, again, I had known her for maybe five minutes and she, she dumps this and everything that's going on and, and, and I hate him and I hate his family and, 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 and you just realize that, that the identity that she's taken some, she's wounded is what she is. Another woman, but her 24-year-old daughter shot and killed five months ago, five months ago to the day when I was talking to her. And again, that was within 10 minutes, 10 minutes of talking to someone that I had never met before. And, and it made me realize that they were starving. But, but there are people you know, pe- people who are starving, just gonna warn you, sometimes they can be obnoxious because what they're looking for is attention. So they're doing things to get your attention and you wish they would stop. They, they try to take credit. They, they, they try to take uh, anything they can get as far as attention. I don't know. Sounds like all of us, huh? That, that, and, and so this is the point, is now we have a place to go. And someone who gives us that love and attention, and his name is Jesus, and he's the living bread that came down from heaven. The next one, I get to eat from his word every day. Every day, Jesus packs a lunch for you. And your Bible reading, your devotions, your growth group, coming here to worship, whatever. Wherever you come and feast on it, wherever you come and enjoy your snack, take it with you wherever you go, that's what Jesus offers. And then finally, I have plenty to share. I had a friend in college who, whose family... They adopted two Vietnamese children when he was uh, about 12 years old, and they were maybe 7 and 10 years old right in that neighborhood. And one of the things that, that he said when they, when they adopted them was it was just crazy what they would do with food because they were used to being starving. And, and so what they would do is, first of all, when they would eat meals, they would eat so much that, that a lot of times they would throw up because they would just eat too much and they weren't used to doing that. So then another thing they would do is, after they did that and didn't want to do that anymore, after they, they would sit there and eat, and they would fill their mouths with food, and then ask to be excused, then go somewhere and take all the food out of their mouth and hide it, so that they could go there later to get the food. Uh, they would steal off the table, they would steal it out of the cabinets, they would steal it out of the fridge, and he said the problem with it was that usually all you had to do is follow the ants to find out where they had stashed it. And that became a little bit of a problem. But finally, the, the, he said it took them so long to say, you guys, you don't need to do this because there's plenty. There's plenty to eat. The, the, we're going to have this. These meals are going to continue. Uh, you can share with everyone. You don't have to hoard this. And as you look at this with your identity, and specifically with the attention that Jesus gives and with the, the food and the, the, as the living bread, as the staple of your diet, the substantial love that he gives you. Guys, there's plenty. There is plenty. That is why Jesus went to the cross. That is why Jesus paid for our sins. That is why he rose again. 
That is why he has given us this wonderful gospel message about what he has done so that we never need to be hungry again. That's what it means that Jesus is the living bread from heaven. And I hope you begin to see today how having a God like that makes your identity change and rock solid, how it makes you bulletproof. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for all the wonderful gifts that you give us in Jesus Christ, our Savior. We know that he is the living bread that has come down from heaven and that because of that, uh, we have every spiritual need met through him. Now, Lord, help us send your Holy Spirit into our our lives and into our hearts and help us to continue to feed on you, to to continue to enjoy all the different meals you give us with all of the different accounts uh, in the Bible of, of your great love for us. And then, Lord, as we live in this idea of having plenty, let us share this food with those around us. Uh, there is plenty of love to go around and, and make it a regular part of our lives and, and a regular part of our conversations. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com. Or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you go today, first important thing is you remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the living bread that came down from heaven. Who are you? You are someone, I am someone who is well-fed by him. All of our spiritual needs are met in, in Jesus. And may your action now from here is times when you are starving, times when you are hurting, to turn to him, uh, and he will feed you. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. I will see you on the patio in a moment. And if there's anyone who would have a prayer need that they would like to pray with someone today, there's a prayer team here. You can just remain in your seat and they will find you. Thanks.